On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about the idea of virtualized control. What is the impact going to be on the audiovisual industry? How do service providers need to prepare? And you know what? Programmers are still valuable. All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. of control a state of control episode 46 virtualized control support for av nation is brought to you by extron electronics welcome to a state of control an av nation podcast that focuses on the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry my name is steve greenbott i'm your host thanks for joining us uh, we have a pretty exciting and interesting show planned for today. We're going to be talking about virtualized control, what that is and where, where we're going with it, we'll touch on. But before that, let's talk about who our guests are today. First, we'll start with my partner at State of Control. He is Uncle Richie. Everybody knows him as Uncle Richie. Rich Fergoza, how are you, Rich? I'm good. Everybody's favorite Uncle Richie is here and happy to be here and uh, enjoying some Stepping up into summer pretty soon, and uh, excitement, I guess, building up for InfoCop. Very nice. And next, a regular here on State of Control. He's a friend and uh, a great contributor. His name is Dave Hatz from AVI Systems. How are you, Dave? Hey, doing good. Thanks for having me, bud. Thanks for joining us. And last but not least, he's a listener, but first time on the show. Uh, His name is Ryan Engels. He is a technology manager at Ithaca College. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Glad, glad, glad you can make it. So we, uh, we often discuss a, uh, a lot of evergreen topics on the show. We talk about everything from uh, how to define a, the, a scope of work and, and how to troubleshoot and what's good code writing practices. Today, we're going to kind of delve into where things are headed, and we're going to talk about a trend that's been been surfacing a bit as of late, and that's the idea of virtualized control. What what that is, is the idea that we're either using a server that's local or in the cloud that becomes your hub for control. Uh, it's a bit different than the what, what's been done in the past where you've had localized control processors, um, but this is something that is becoming uh, not only uh, asked for, but but also be a lot of manufacturers are, are jumping on board to provide those types of solutions. So with that said, Rich, I'll start with you. What um, about this concept is really appealing and, and why do we see things heading that way? Well, I, I think, you know, we, we've talked about this over and over and that, you know, in the beginning of, of the tech industry, the AV side of things. It's always been about 15 to 20 years behind the curve from the tech industry for a long period of time, probably up until about the last five years. And in the last five years, that gap is shrinking very quickly at an exponential rate. And what's happening is that as we're seeing again, 
huge transitions in the IT and the tech industry. Virtualization um, is now becoming something that, that, that people are, since, since tech managers and manufacturers and uh, other companies are looking at this, uh, they're saying, well, you know, of course, obviously from the control standards, it's becoming a natural evolution. I mean, there, it's, it's, you can't, uh, you really can't look at anything now at this point that isn't being virtualized in the IT world. I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at servers, you're looking at switches. These are all of these items. And if you think about it, the power consumption, the physical space, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why it makes natural sense. But more importantly, again, it's coming from the outside in. We have, were in this bubble for so long because we were, you know, an industry unto ourselves, now that we're becoming more and more a sector of the tech industry, we have to play a lot better in the sandbox. And so that's exactly what we're seeing is that companies are having to adapt and evolve much faster than they have in the history of their lifetimes as a manufacturer. Um, because if not, somebody else is going to step in and take that over. So I, I think that right now, um, there, there's, there, it, it's a good thing. There, there's no choice. They're forced to up their game to match what's being expected. Um, and I think it's a realistic expectation at this point. So Dave, what Rich's saying that we're, we're feeling the pressure from IT, um, is this enough of a reason for us to, to go down this route? And, and, um, or, or is this something that we have to be cautious of and, and understand what, what, are, what are the consequences of really going from localized processors to, to more of a virtualized solution? Well, I think it's like, it's like most things. We don't want to necessarily just do it just for the sake of virtualizing our control. But if you think about it, control systems, again, since the beginning of time, are, it's software whether it's software that run, lives in a black box that has RS-232 ports and IR ports and relay ports on it, or it's software that lives on a virtualized server somewhere and talks to other IO components, it's still really all about that software that enables us to deliver the experience that we want to for our end clients. And so, you know, I look at it as a tremendous opportunity because in many cases, the virtualized ecosystem, it, it provides an architecture that lets us be more scalable. It lets us adapt the way we're writing our code and the tools we're using to write our code many times into a more modern environment, you know, as Rich was saying, and it opens up the realm of possibility to where, you know, we, we, can, we can more efficiently deliver, what I'll say is that same result to the end user using the right tools at the right time. And so it's not a one size fits all. We're not gonna necessarily go, if I'm tasked with building one huddle room in the corner of a building, I'm probably not gonna go and turn to a virtualized control system every time, today at least, because of you know, the, the work that goes into it. Down the road that might change, my, you know, my statement might change. Today I may go find a purpose-built box. Maybe I'll find a keypad that has control built into it and that fits my need. But it's about finding the right tool at the right time. And virtualizing your control certainly has a lot of benefits that you know, many times it's gonna turn into the right tool. So Ryan, I'll, I'll head over to you. Um, not only are you technology manager and, and a client to um, just for, from our perspective as being service providers, but also you have an IT background. 
Yeah. What, what's appealing about the solution and, and, and how do you see this fit in, into the, how do you see this fitting the needs of your users? So with a, as being an IT uh, manager and, and now a uh, AV technology manager, I definitely have seen both sides. Um, technology just continues to uh, uh, march along at this incredibly rapid pace. And we're essentially being asked to try to uh, replace this technology or keep it up to date as well as possible while expected to stick within six to eight year replacement timeframes on these control processors and other gear. And I think, um, like Rich was saying, this is just going to get to a point where these two, um, you know, the, the expectations of IT and what we can actually provide uh, come, to, come, come to a head. Um, it was even three or four years ago where I would see on, you know, CIO level uh, uh, resumes and stuff, how many servers they virtualized at the last job, right? And I think it's only a matter of time before um, it starts to sink in that we're in a position with our control processors uh, where IT was with their servers uh, several years ago. And at some point, um, it makes it makes sense to, um, you know, take the boxes virtualize them, the scalability, like Dave was saying. We have about 100, and, uh, actually 190 classrooms, about 65 meeting spaces on campus. If we can leverage a product where I can essentially copy and paste and just um, um, make changes to the endpoints, whether that's IP addresses or and talk back to a virtual server along with, uh, with uh, control over HTML5, I think we'll be in a better place as a technology managers to try to re re respond to this rapid pace of technology growth. So, um, Dave, I, I think you touched on some interesting things with regard to software and, and based on what, what Ryan is saying here. Uh, are, uh, the, is the future for us going to be within a, you know, what we know of is now the, a, a con, the, these control system environments? Or are we just going to be looking at writing software that it can be just about anything, you know, and what, and, and is, is, are there, um, is, is that a good thing? Well, I think you're always going to have some level of handholding or out of the box functionality or, you know, macro based, you know, here's the easy button from a vendor because at the end of the day, our vendors want us to sell their products. And so they're going to put package together meaningful options that let you really quickly use their things efficiently. But as an AV programmer, I think we've seen it for the last five to 10 years and we're going to continue to see it where we're, we're developers of middleware more often, many times. We're not just when I push this button, I send this string anymore. We're integrating different platforms, different systems together, to, again, to deliver that experience to the end user. And that's gonna, nothing but continue and grow. And so, you know, the talking, you know, building on a virtualized control system, well, it takes that next step of I'm in the software domain. And so, yes, I'm still interfacing with hardware at the edges, but I have a more purpose-built software platform to integrate with these other software platforms. That's, I mean, that's where we're at and that's going to continue to be the future without a doubt. Hmm. So it sounds like uh, despite what everybody is thinking, uh, the AV idea of programming is not going away. <laughs> and 
So, you know, again, it's a, it's a matter of you need to find the most efficient way to deliver the, the end result to your clients. And whether that's building a single AV template that you repurpose and sell over and over and over again, whether that's you build that in a virtualized environment and you just power on 10 VMs with the same code in it, somebody needs to make that work. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be something in, in, our, in our environment that we as the developers bring extra value versus something that you, know, you can go to a box store and just buy off the shelf. There will be options that, you, that a client can buy off the shelf, but they're not going to have the features. They're not going to have the complete experience that at the end of the day, our end users are going to realize they want. There's going to be a balance, certainly, but we've got a lot of value yet to give. I, I like, like to hear that. So, Rich, do, would you agree with that? And, and, um, and, and we're, we're, how do you think we're going to need to step up our game if this is the trend? I, you know, again, I, I think it's, it's all any company who's in AV programming, you know, as, as either the core or an offering um, is going to be looking at changing their model. I mean, and, and Dave said it perfectly, you are, we're moving into a development world. And what's going to happen is companies that were traditionally, um, and, and Ryan said it perfectly uh, just a couple of minutes ago when a design was happening and a spec was built, it was on a six to eight year time frame, right, for boxes. Because that was at the pace where the technology that our industry was offering was moving into basically a version two technology or a three series technology or a, you know, X series technology, whatever we wanted to call it, right? And it was probably right at, you know, that eight year mark, we would see that shift because the processors would change, the microprocessors would change, the software tools would change, everything under the hood would start changing. We're moving at a much faster pace now. And what's happening, and again, uh, you know, I, speaking from the Resi side, I, we have a different approach and, and different challenges. But if you're looking at educational, if you're looking at commercial, if you're looking at government, um, you know, these are much faster timelines they're moving on. The expectations are changing because they've seen what happened when you had a 25-year-old, you know, Windows 95 computer that they just spent, you know, $7 million on on a contract to keep it running you know, for another two years. I mean, it's, 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 they've already learned those lessons in the, 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 the PC and the, then the tech industry, and they are not going to repeat them when it comes down to the control systems and huddle spaces and um, unified communications and all of these things. It's, it, they've already said, we've already done it before. We've already seen what happened. We are not going to move to a hardware specific environment any longer. There's no need. Um, and that's okay. Now, there is always going to be that fine line. There are going to be mission critical tasks that if you lose your internet connect- connection, um, you know, that's not going to happen. There are, there are always going to be exceptions to the rule. But, you know, Ryan's um, situation is a perfect example, right? There's 60 odd class or 100 and something classrooms, right? About 190 classrooms and 65 huh. meeting space. All right. You know, plus or minus 10 are going to be down yep. for whatever reason, right? But those are going to be going. And what's going to happen is that from a programming standpoint, what we've done for the past 25 years, right? We had a hardware unit. We, you know, we, we would go ahead and build purpose-built code, and we would bill based on the fact that that thing was going to stay in there and run day in and day out for four to eight years. That's what the billing 
platform and the cycle was. And by the way, there's no upgrade path. The software doesn't change. You know, the UI doesn't change. You know, this is, you, you, you bought it and you drove it off the lot, right? And we are changing from that now. And what's going to have to happen, and like I said, Dave, Dave nailed it, is we're, if you're going to succeed, you need to take a developer mindset. Not only is it from your pro, just the nuts and bolts of your programming, right? Which is scalability. Do you go physical versus virtualized? But your entire billing practice. You are going to have to start moving from, here's a scope of work, and we're done, and shake your hand, Mr. Technology Manager, and I'll see you in four years at the next presidential election. No, you're gonna be building a licensing program. And what's gonna happen is, version 120 is going to come out. And now what's going to happen is you're going to be able to offer 121 or 130 to your client base. And they will either choose to upgrade their license with the feature set that you've increased, or they won't because they're happy with where they're at. And that is huge. It, 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 it's, it, it, it is a, you know, I don't use the word paradigm shift because I'm not fond of that phrase to begin with, but it is from a business standpoint. Um, if you have more than a one-off, you need to start looking at changing your entire philosophy on how you offer your services because people are not going to, uh, you know, companies aren't necessarily going to, you know, just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, yeah, we got to a, you know, a four, five, six figure programming bill that's going to come across and you're going, but gee, I'm doing a thousand of these things. You know, that's how it works. And they say, no, you know, we'll, we'll figure something else out. Um, it doesn't devalue what we provide. It requires us to be a lot more flexible. And like Dave said, to be the middleware, because again, there is always going to be that glue. We are going to always be that glue, right? The IT professional isn't going to understand the control side of things. They'll have an understanding. They're already busy. So our job is to come in and say, look, there's going to be hiccups. You have a different operating system here. You have 15 different types of switches here. You have a fiber trunk here. You have this here. You know, so, so what happens is, and like what we're looking at in the, in the residential side, becoming the technology advisor for control packet management, right? Because that's where we're moving towards. We're moving away from voltage. We're moving away from, um, you know, an IR-based, you know, or a relay. We're in the packet management business at this point. And what happens now is we've got to be able to say, we can manage these packets to make everybody's lives easier. And there's a fee for it. And this is how our model works. And the model goes up or down or however you do it. So, you know, I mean, is the traditional control system going to, you know, is it going to be completely state? No, there isn't. Because there's always going to be mission critical applications. But the majority of the business, the bread and butter, kind of the, the stuff that pays your light bill as a company, you've got to start looking at how you are going to create a recurring revenue stream as opposed to, oh, you know, we met our numbers for the year. We're done. Everybody, you know, let's go to Cancun. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Yep. What what Rich is talking about really is the fact that the software we as developers build is what enables our companies to start having the as a service discussion, the AV as a service. And it's a term we're starting to hear more and more. I have no doubt at Infocom, it's going to be, you know, touted around a bunch. And a lot of times the first thing that comes to mind in those discussions is, well, how do we sell the equipment? How do they get the equipment? And everyone starts to jump to effectively a lease model where I pay so much per month and I get the functions of an AV room. But what really enables that is the software. 
exactly what Rich was saying about the features of we have the 1.2 version and it does this. And as part of your subscription plan, maybe you have updates on a quarterly basis included, maybe they're an upcharge, but for your monthly fee, you get a set of features. And if you want to pay a little bit more, we'll give you a bigger set of features. We'll give you a nice, you know, a different shiny button, whatever, whatever the agreement is. And that's stuff that we as developers are going to be supplying. We're going to provide that value to our, to our companies that can then resell it as a service to all of our end users. And if you think about the scalability of that business model, if we get it right, there's a lot of potential there. And again, it brings that value that we have back to our end users in a way that they can see it. And virtualized control is what makes it scalable. Because if we decide we want to go from 10 rooms to 15 rooms, power on some more VMs, yes, put some more hardware in the rooms, but the software is ready for it. Just flip the switch on, build some more v virtualized systems to expand next summer. Again, some more in the winter. It gives that path where we stay relevant and we have greater control on the features we're delivering. And I'm just going to inject real quick because, again, what Dave was just talking about is if we want a simple lesson, look at the dedicated video conferencing industry. Yeah. If you want a lesson exactly. on oops, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a little device sitting right behind Dave yeah. that every month or so, it seems, there's an email that comes out that says, oh, by the way, that new unified communication platform that everybody loves, you can have that too. And yet, that piece of hardware that has been sitting there hasn't changed. No. And, and so all of a sudden, you know, again, you're not going to have the $10,000 ISDN connected camera that was the bread and butter for all of these companies for how long? Right. Yep. We're talking about now $79 webcam sitting on top of Mac displays like mine. <laughs> you know? um, well, and, and, and Microsoft doesn't even necessarily tell you right away when they upgrade features in, in Skype for business. It's part of your O365 subscription. It just comes along every Tuesday, you get new features and you don't necessarily even have an option of them. If you pay the subscription to a certain tier, you just get them. That's the model we're moving towards. So Ryan's holding up dollar signs saying, I'll buy it now. I'll buy it. Exactly. <laughs> well, why, don't, why don't you jump in, Ryan, and let yeah, us yeah. know, um, are, we, are we on target here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rich and Dave are talking about change. Um, when I first started here at IC, one of the things that I was asked to do was go through our standards, right? And uh, try to come up with templates and what a standard room would look like. And even then, uh, three years ago, I thought that um, this doesn't have to be this way. What I wanted to look even then was more at standard capabilities, right? Um, not necessarily what box is going to go into this into this space or I wanted more flexibility to be able to just deploy a, a capability, right? And uh, what I'm hoping that this virtualization brings us is whether I want to put in an Epson, a Panasonic, a Sony, a NEC, it doesn't matter, right? What I can get my hands on, um, there's still room for trying to uh, get spares and stuff like that. But if when technology changes at such a quick, uh, fast pace, I can actually focus more on just maintaining these capabilities in this room, not focusing on the um, technology itself or which manufacturer I'm uh, 
buying that technology from and being able to stay uh, up as up to date as possible um, with all these different um, you know, USB-C, HDMI, DisplayPort, um, all the Dante, all that kind of stuff, and just be able to uh, re uh, re respond uh, quicker and to the changes in the industry. Well, it turns the, dis the decisions on your hardware to the, what's the best hardware to meet those needs, to meet those, those right. goals of exactly. your use case. And you can pick it yep. from a manufacturer that gives you the right level of support or that gives you, you yep. know, that has a proven hardened product. And maybe there's going to be times where a $99, you know, product from, you know, from overseas is going to fit the bill exactly. And maybe there's times where your, you know, your traditional AV vendors product is going to be the right fit because you know, you can pick up a phone and call them for support, but you're picking at that point, you become, you pick the product based on the right product to deliver your goal not based on the fact that it just has the badge on the front right. or just yep. based on the fact that it's what you used three years ago. Yep. And I, um, from my perspective, I still um, need to uh, use integrators to do our installs, but what we will essentially do, um, and I'd love to talk about our network onboarding and stuff like that, but um, we um, will leverage these integrators still. They're not going to go away. And our programmers, they'll still be creating device drivers for us to, you know, to be the go-between between the actual device itself and the um, this, the virtualized server and, and that control. Um, but with our scope of work, we'll, at least that will be standard. Standard enough so that we could uh, uh, um, do some sort of load balancing between multiple integrators if we had to. And then the back end is just all configured um, basically uh, by me and the team, whether that's providing the statically uh, static addresses to the integrator ahead of time to uh, hard code those boxes and then just pretty much plug it into our managed network switches and hit the ground running when they get on site. So, uh, you know, not, I think we're, we're painting a very positive picture about this. What, what, what are the drawbacks? What, 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 what are the concerns in, in going this direction? Uh, Ryan, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of let yeah. you kick that off and, then, and I'll, I'll kind of bring that around to everybody. What, you know, what, whether it's stuff that we need to learn, whether it, what are the, the, these are the, 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 the gotchas that we, we need to be worried about, um, or is this a no-brainer? Right. Um, so I think... One of the gotchas is, um, you know, frequently mentioned or the one of the, um, you know, could sneak up on you. Is your, is your network yet you to have a, you have to be uh, sure that you're switching and routing and your internal network is um, rock solid. And um, I think uh, most of, uh, at least here at Ithaca College, it's been, um, it's at the point where I believe that we can rely on our, on our network to uh, deploy this virtualized uh control systems and all these endpoints. We have dedicated uh, VLANs needed to do that. I also, you have a concern about like a, a central uh, point of failure, right, with a, with a server. And I think that perhaps maybe even a, um, you know, there's other servers out there where you can pretty much just click a button and it'll create a redundancy. Um, and we'll eventually get to that point where we'll just have redundant virtual, um, virtual servers providing the control um, doing load balancing, all that sort of stuff if necessary, and uh, round robin DNS. and um, But still, you have to learn that stuff. You know, you're, um, it's almost as if I'm a, um, and it's been talked about before, but it, it, I, it, I am IT and AV, you know, combined a bit. I do, uh, we have about 50 managed network switches that we deployed with our network engineers, but they're considered audiovisual switches. Um, 
you need that that skill set to be able to um, understand how those are how how those are deployed, configured, onboarded, um, the troubleshooting of 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 that technology. And I would say that uh, one of the best things your support group or other people could get is probably like a start off with a like a Network Plus or you know CCNA to try to get to the place where you can actually support this type of technology if you did decide to start to deploy it. And on the back end, um, I think that uh, at least here at the college, you can take credits. I'm thinking about taking Python, um, a Python class entry level, and uh, Java, and see how that Java integrates with HTML5. Um, those three things, you get a network plus and start to understand how all this functions together, then you'll be in an excellent position to start to leverage these solutions. Thanks. Uh, Dave, are, are, so from a service provider standpoint, are, are we there yet? Are, are, we, are we ready to take this on? Well, I mean, I don't, in, in some cases, I don't know we have a choice. Uh, <laughs> we're getting there. Um, you know, from my perspective, you know, there's a lot of good that can come from it, but we still, in my mind, the edge hardware is the piece that concerns me still. Is, you know, the immediate tendency is to, okay, so, you know, I can talk IP to a number of devices. Great. Well, as someone who's been there on a lot of that, not all of our manufacturers have really hardened the IP communication on their devices, even in this day and age. So that's why you'll still see in a lot of designs where RS-232 hasn't gone away yet. Again, we'll get there, but we're not necessarily quite there. The other thing I've seen is a tendency real quick to jump to, okay, we need to make a conversion a box, a box that goes from IP to relays or IP to serial control or whatever. And there's a lot of options out there. Again, some of them are from companies that we deal with and know and have support channels with today, and some aren't. And so we just need to be cautious about the products we choose and make sure that we as the support provider and the integrator have confidence in our ability and our reputation being staked on the performance of all of those boxes. Because at the end of the day, if anything in the system doesn't work right, well, that's on me and it's my reputation behind it. And so we just need to be conscious of it. You know, the other thing I look at is the skill set of the programmers. Ryan was, you know, talking about expanding his skill sets. And I think as, you know, as programmers who've been doing this a long time, I think all of us will agree there's more for us to learn. And quite often with a lot of our manufacturers that are starting to offer up virtualized control options, it's not necessarily the, the software and the, the way we've wrote, written programs in the past that we can continue with. We have to learn new directions or new, new skills. And again, that's not a bad thing, but it's something we need to be aware of. And I know myself, you know, working for an integrator, we're looking forward as to each day, well, what do we need to start to expand the skill set of our team? And it can't just be one person on the team that learns a new language or learns to support this new virtualized control system because what happens when they go on vacation? What happens when they call in sick for the day? Heaven forbid they get hit by a bus. We need the entire team to be able to adapt and shift, maybe not all at once, but we need, if we're going to make the commitment to go this route, and I think we have to, all of us need to, to really, really look at it as how we're going to go there. We need to all up our game. We need to all expand and change our skill sets a little so that we can do it efficiently, so that we can deliver the, the, the quality result to our customers. 
So, Rich, I'll, I'll uh, end with you with some words of wisdom. Um, I think think that we we've clarified, and and it's very encouraging that that uh, programmers and software and and this increased value and 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 uh, it, it really is a different rule of the game here. So, where do we get help? Um, it's no longer, I think, calling the manufacturer and having them walk through you through things with you. This, you know, we're we're kind of playing in in the, I guess, for lack of a better term, the real world of IT. We're, we don't hear you. Sorry, I was I was just so excited. I didn't want to burst in. Uh, it's the Wild West for us uh, all over again. I mean, we it, it, we saw it 25 years ago. We were making it up as we went along, and we're kind of going along this way again. I mean, it, I look at it this way. Um, about eight years ago, almost to the day, um, I introduced for the first time on the West Coast the iPad as a control pro- as a controller um, at the San Francisco Decorator Showcase in, in, in 2010. Uh, only eight years ago. And, and we've moved so quickly since then. Is this going to immediately happen in the control industry next year? No. But from a preparation standpoint, it's going to move at a much more accelerated rate than we've been used to. And, and that's an exciting thing, and it's a scary thing. Some companies aren't going to adapt, and those companies are going to cease to be here. What will happen is the companies who embrace it, and um, like Dave was saying, are saying, we need to plan for it now. We need to build our infrastructure up they're going to be the ones that are going to pick up the jobs because they're going to get the call from the technology managers and from the schools and from these corporations saying, you know what, the company we've had for 10 years, you know, not around. Um, and we still have all of these things that we need to service. And, it, 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 you know, again, we saw it in, in the residential side um, good six years ago where all of a sudden, you know, they just couldn't keep up because the market changed around them. Um, and we're seeing that. And so the first reaction is, oh, my gosh, the sky's falling. It's not falling. It's an opportunity but you have to be willing to very surgically look at where your flaws are as a company and start eliminating those and build yourself up. And so it's an opportunity for young. Why do you think, you know, uh, you know, I mean, the IT industry is a young industry and that's part of it as well. There's lots of really young, smart guys out there um, who are working in organizations like schools and corporations who are, within the next five to eight years are going to be moving to those C-level um, positions. we got to remember that as well. And so when you start working with them, when you start educating them, when you start partnering with them, as those organizations grow, as their responsibilities grow, you're maintaining that partnership with them. It's no different than we did 20 years ago. It's just at a much faster pace. Um, and it's exciting. I mean, again, you can, you can really look at it as it's the end of your company or the birth of a new company. Um, but if you stay static, um, you know, the, the answer is going to be pretty self-evident. Well, I think that that's great advice and I, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. So that's a good way for us to wrap this one up. Um, I want to thank everybody for being a part of this show. This is a, a very, uh, I think enlightening topic and hopefully one that, uh, the audience will value and I'm sure it will spur some conversations to come. Um, Thank you, Dave, for being here today. Uh, Dave Hatz from ABI Systems. How can people get either in touch with you or learn more about ABI Systems? So uh, avisystems.com is probably the best spot to learn all about AVI, where, you know, our nationwide presence and where we can help you out. Um, if you want to talk to me, um, I'm on the Twitter, at Dave Hatz AVI, on LinkedIn, 
can reach out to me uh, pretty much anywhere. But uh, really, avisystems.com is where you want to go. Excellent. Thanks. Uh, Ryan, hopefully this is a good experience for you. How can uh, people get in touch with you and learn more about things that you're doing at Ithaca College? Yeah, if anyone's out there, I'd love to chat uh, about the future of virtualized control. Um, you can reach me at Bright Light AV on Twitter. I'm also on uh, LinkedIn at uh, uh, just Ryan Engels. And uh, my email here is rengels at ithaca.edu. Thank you. That's R-E-N-G-E-L-S, correct? That's right. Yep. Thanks. And last but not least, another great show, Rich. Uh, thanks for being here with me. Uh, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you're doing? Well, any complaints, please email me at davehats at avisystems.com. Uh, <laughs> I thought Tim gets those. Uh, um, but you can find me on the interwebs, type in my name, uh, and I'm just going to have to start getting UncleRitchie.com somewhere. i got to track it down. Uh, but you can find me on the Twitters at rfragosa. Uh, you can find us at fragosadesign.com uh, or uh, obviously here or uh, occasionally uh, creeping over at uh, ResiWeek with my good friend, Matt Scott. You should at least try Uncle Richie on Twitter or something like I that. I should. I should, you know, and then uh, all, all six of my followers might be able to find Stay me. Stay tuned for our next show. <laughs> <laughs> with that, uh, my name is Steve Greenblatt. Uh, thanks for being here. You can reach me on social media at Steve Greenblatt, my company, Control Concepts, at controlconcepts.net. Uh, but most importantly, uh, please go visit avnation.tv uh, and show some of your appreciation to the underwriters that helped to make this program and the others on the network possible. Um, they're also encourage you to stay, to tune in to AV week, uh, Resi week, as Rich said, he's uh, a frequent contributor there. And uh, some of the other shows that I personally listen to and recommend, uh, I really like the, uh, the ITAV show uh, connected. And uh, one of my, uh, growing favorites now is the AV profession that talks about the business of the AV industry and uh, has a lot of interesting insight. Um, also, please, while you're at the AV Nation website or if you download uh, our show from iTunes, please leave us a review, a comment. Let us know you're out there. Let us know what you want to hear and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So with that, that's all we have for a state of control today. Thanks for being with us. 